Hey, good to be back with you guys again. Uh, we're really enjoying uh, being a part and just getting to know folks and serving any way uh, we can here with, with you guys uh, when we are not on the road with uh, uh, the mission ministry that God has, has, has given us and very, very excited about what's happening at Midtown. Hey, we were, we were in town first Sunday of January and uh, uh, Jay, our pastor, um, changed my whole year because God gave him a, a, a passage and really a word, and it's become my word for the year. And the word is opportunity. And the passage he gave me, I've just been camping out in and talking to Jay about, and I asked him how he'd feel about me elaborating on this passage that he gave us uh, the beginning of January, and he said, great. So that's what I'm gonna do. Uh, title of this, of this message is The Opportunity of a Lifetime, uh, because that's the word we're really gonna look at today, opportunity. Luke chapter 21, verses 10 through 13, I'm reading from the ESV, which is important because not every translation translates this with the word opportunity. And it's because the word is a very unique word we'll see in a moment. So Jesus is, is talking to his followers. He's preparing us for what would be happening um, before he returns. And this is what he says. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences Pestilence is another word for pandemic. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. Okay, a lot of bad stuff there. And then, this will be your opportunity. There it is. To bear witness. Oh, that's so cool. Now, let me, let me make this even cooler for you. I began to study the word opportunity in the Greek language, which is what uh, the New Testament is the language that it's, it's given to us in. And the reason it's hard to translate is because it's a picture word, and it literally means to disembark the ship. Now, think about that a moment. To disembark the ship. To see a new land, a new season on the horizon, disembark to a new Life. That's what the word means. In fact, it's used that way specifically, literally, in Luke 5 of John 21. Uh, I want to break that down for us a little bit today from this passage, though, and see what Jesus is really telling us about the opportunity of a lifetime. Man, I love ships. I, I love the ocean. Uh, have you been on a cruise before? Um, for our uh, 40th anniversary, uh, right before COVID, we went on a cruise. And it, it was wonderful. Every day, you know, the expectation of something new to see, some new, beautiful, joyful experience. And uh, probably the same thing happened to you if you went on a cruise. The day of our cruise, the captain came to our door and he knocked, you know, right on the door and said, hey, I'm, I'm here to offer you your opportunity. This is your opportunity to board the ship. Uh, the ship's right down here in the lake near your house. And, I, and I've knocked on your door. I'm opportunity knocking. And you come on with me now and we'll get on the ship. Isn't that the way you boarded? No. Opportunity doesn't knock. That, that's one of the dumbest sayings in history. Opportunity doesn't knock. It journeys with or without you. Right? So most people sit around <clears throat> passively hoping some kind of opportunity <clears throat> knocks on their door and rescues them out of whatever mess they're in. Cruises don't work that way. Life 
doesn't work that way. No, we had to plan, we had to prepare, we had to travel in order to board, and, uh, and, and we had to choose to get on the ship. And you will have to as well. Since God gave us in His perfect word a word that, that is a picture word of disembarking a ship, we ought to take that seriously and really ask ourselves, um, are, are we ready to disembark the ship into a new opportunity, a new season? In ancient times now, they weren't getting on cruise ships. When they got on a ship then, <laughs> they were changing their whole life. They, they, they knew they were going on a dangerous voyage. It took a long time. And whatever reason they were on that ship, it was for a new season of life. When, when, when they saw the land coming on the horizon, they were just thankful that it wasn't a reef that was about to wreck the ship and ruin their lives or take their lives. When they saw the land they had, they had dreamed of, they knew that they had a chance to disembark that ship for a brand new life. What are you going to do? Do you see on the horizon the land of a new season of life, a new opportunity that Jesus has for you? You've got to have the right captain. You've got to get on the right ship. Some of us, we've been sailing on the wrong ships with the wrong captain or, or worse of all, trying to uh, captain the ship ourselves and in danger of sinking it. We don't have to do any of that. Years ago, um, I, I wanted to learn how to sail because I love the ocean so much. And I, I thought, hey, before we go on the next vacation to the ocean, I want to be able to sail myself. So right here in Knoxville, I found somebody who could teach me to sail and um, went, went down to the marina for my first sailing lesson. And the captain, the, my instructor, was telling me all about how... Um, uh, all his experience and how many thousands of hours he had on on uh, on sailboats. So he takes me on this on this uh, this little Hobie cat, and uh, off we go. And we're out in the middle of the lake. Now there was a big storm coming, and I was kind of concerned about that. You could see lightning in the distance. He said, "We're not going to be out here long." Uh, and he said, I'm just teaching you just the basics, and we'll we'll go back and we'll do more the next time. So we're out in the middle of the lake. There ain't anybody out there but us because there's a storm coming. And all of a sudden he goes, "What? What's going on? What's going?" <gasps> Oh, no, he said, I forgot to put the plugs back in the boat. I said, what's that mean? He said, it means we're sinking. <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding me. This is my captain. This is my instructor. And he goes, give, give me that. Give me. He takes the controls of the thing, you know, the, the till or the tiller, and he's, he's, he's trying to get it back. And all of a sudden, he goes, oh, no. And the whole thing just flips over, and we are in the ocean, and then the sailboat has sunk about three feet below the surface. It wasn't sinking any more than that. And it, not in the ocean. We're in the lake. We're just out there in the middle of the lake. There's nobody there. I know what to do. And thank God, somebody that I actually knew, somebody I'd counseled as a pastor, comes by in a distance and sees us floating in the middle of the lake and comes over and says, Pastor John is out there floating in the lake. And he goes, we got to get you out of here. There's a storm coming. And he hooks the sailboat up to his motorboat, says, just hang on to the back. Okay, so me and this captain, this captain is an unhappy man by this time. We're hanging on to the back, and he guns that boat, and we take, we're like skiing, hanging on to a sunken sailboat. So I, this is a little embarrassing to share, but man, I'm just bouncing out of the water, and about this point, the waves catch my bathing suit and pull it right down to my feet. 
I, I, am, I am hanging on to my bathing suit with one toe. This is an absolutely true story. I'm thinking, if, if I lose this bathing suit, what am I going to do? And, and he takes it, and now it starts lightning, and the rain is pouring down. We finally got back to the shore. I pulled my bathing suit back up. We ran out away from the lightning. I'll never forget what the captain said. He said, you know, I'm not going to charge you for this lesson. <laughs> Now, now look, that was a wrong captain to have teaching me to sail. <laughs> and I want, I want to encourage you, don't make that mistake in the ship of your life, in the opportunity of a lifetime, when Jesus tells you that you can disembark the ship, make sure you're sailing on one with him so you get off with him into a new life. Well, let's get specific here. Since the Lord said all these difficult things are actually your opportunity, well, what is he talking about? What is our opportunity? I want you to see, first of all, stability is your opportunity. In verse 10, the Lord says there's going to be political strife and violence and wars, riots and, and, and disunity. All these things we're facing right now. But there's a great, great verse of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom, not a country, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. In other words, he says, look, you can, you can live your whole life trying to sail on the ship of your own country, your own career, your own comforts. None of those things are wrong in themselves, but they're not stable. Man, we're learning right now, our country's not stable. And it, it's like... It, I keep watching Christians across the country thinking our main job is to save our country. How are we going to do that, by the way? And we're never charged in Scripture to save a country. God may not want to save this country. He may be judging our country. He does it all the time in history. I don't know. If we do want to save the country, the best thing we can do is to pursue the kingdom of God and not run around figuring out how we can save a country. Our country has been saved many times, by the way, when God's people sought His kingdom first, experienced what we call revival, new life in His people that changes us. Not stop worrying about changing the people that don't even know the Lord. I mean, what's wrong with us? People that don't know the Lord live like they don't. We are the ones that need revival, that need God to change us. And, and then when we're focused on a kingdom that is, according to Jesus, is stable and unshakable, now we're, now we're getting somewhere now we've got this, this stable assurance, this clear purpose, the singular significance in life. Why? Because, the, listen, the kingdom of God is where Jesus rules and you don't. That's what the kingdom means. You have a king. And where he rules, there's stability. Stability is your opportunity. Now, I'm going to give you three opportunities right from this passage. And with each one, I'm going to give you an opportunity action. Because, again, if you want to get on the ship of opportunity, you actually have to pack, prepare, travel, and board. So how do you do that when, when Jesus says all these unstable things will be happen, happening? The opportunity is stability. Let me encourage you to do this. Trust Him now with one big kingdom prayer. Trust Him now with one big kingdom prayer. Think about how we pray. Lord, bless me, bless my family, provide my money, provide my job, all these things. None of those things are wrong. Jesus cares about them. But what are you praying for that would 
really change things in the kingdom world? Who are you praying for to come to know Jesus that seems impossible? Is there anything in your life that if God doesn't do it, it cannot happen? When uh, we were much younger, late 20s, early 30s, we had a group of of, uh, couples that we decided to actually believe Jesus. And we said, we're going to pray together, each family, for two things. One, for God to let us see a great movement of His Spirit in our lifetime, which we have already, and uh, these days seeing more of that in the mission we have. But also, each family had one thing that was just impossible without, without, without the Lord that would really advance the kingdom if it happened. For our family, um, we, we, we said, we, we want to pray. We want all of you to pray for the salvation of my wife's dad. My wife's dad was the worst human being I ever knew. I told him not to come to our house anymore. I wanted to hurt him because of the way he had abandoned my wife, um, multiple affair, women everywhere. And just when my wife was, was a child, he, he left her to fend for herself. And it got worse and worse and, and worse. Well, long story short, we, we prayed for years. And, uh, and one day he was broken through some things going on in his life, came to hear me preach for the first time while he was traveling and I were travel, I was traveling. We were in the same city, a thousand miles from where we lived. And he came, and that night uh, he came forward and said, I have wrecked my life. Is there any way God would take me? And he prayed to give his life to Jesus and asked me to share his story with the church so they could pray for me. Donna's back home praying. And the hours, God broke loose in that church. And then he and I went out afterwards to a Waffle House. It's like midnight. And, and he's telling me all of his life. And we're sharing Christ with the waitress. It was amazing. When I got back to the hotel, before the days of cell phones, I got back to the hotel, I called my wife. It went like this, ring, hello. She's holding the phone. I said, honey, your daddy met Jesus tonight. She dropped the phone, ran down the hall, banging on the doorway of, of our kids' rooms. Wake up. Grandpa's saved. Grandpa's saved. And I'm in Atlanta weeping, hearing my family dancing for joy back home. That man, Don Donovan, became the best man I had ever known. Loved his daughters, his grandchildren. Loved Jesus like nobody else. One of those men that was praying with us for his salvation actually was a pastor in the city where he lived. And he discipled and baptized my father-in-law. Later, that family that was discipling my father-in-law, their prayer was that they'd have children because for 10 years they were told they couldn't. They have two little girls now. And they got flooded out in Katrina when he moved there to be a seminary professor. And they moved in with us. And I would sit those girls on my lap and read them stories. The girls we prayed for together to be born. We prayed them into the world. What are you praying for like that? Who's praying with you? Pray a big kingdom prayer and grab the opportunity of stability because when you're praying big, see, and and, and when you're praying small too, you're putting everything before the Lord who has a stable kingdom and you don't have to trust in all the instability of this world. All right, number two. Now, you may not know this word, but bear with me. Shalom is your opportunity. So stability, number one. Shalom is your opportunity. In verse 11, of of Luke 21, all these terrible things, Jesus says disasters and earthquakes and famine and pandemic. I mean, sorry the Bible doesn't apply to today. (laughs) I mean, 
Come on, this is what we're living in the midst of. Do you know right now, um, 10,000 children a month minimum are starving to death because of the response worldwide to COVID? I'm not getting into the politics or what we should do or not do. It's not my specialty. But I know in places like Burkina Faso, uh, parents are not allowed to go to the city to work anymore. And they have no food and no money and no ability to provide their children. And their children are starving to death by the thousands. They're not dying of COVID. They're dying of the response to COVID. Jesus said, we're going to have famines. We're going to have pandemics. All of this stuff is going is to happen. But there is a wonderful, wonderful verse. In John chapter 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. It means torn apart with fear. Neither let them be afraid. The word for peace in the Greek is a rene. We know it better by its Hebrew counterpart, shalom. Shalom means whole life peace. It's peace that transcends circumstances. Shalom means peace for your, your, your spirit, your soul, your emotions, even your body. It even positively affects your health. And Jesus says, at the same time that he's, he's speaking to his disciples, preparing them for persecution, and, and many of them for death, preparing us 2,000 years later for the stuff we're dealing with, Jesus says, hey, in the midst of all this, I want to give you whole life peace. Man, anybody need that? Here's the problem. You, you can't have it in isolation. You can't. You're, you're not made for that. And uh, we're, we're very independent in American culture. So, man, more now than ever with COVID, you got Christians going, you know, I believe in God, believe in Jesus, don't really need the church. You know, I'm okay. Turn on TV, turn on the, TV, turn on the internet. You know, I, I can look whoever I want to, watch them preach. I don't have to, I don't need the church. Now, let me be honest, you may not need a church building. Here at Midtown, we don't even own one. But if you think you don't need the church, you don't understand the gospel at all. You don't understand Jesus because Jesus called you to community. And you're not meant to have shalom on your own. Shalom is always a community word. Jesus isn't speaking to you as an individual. He's speaking to you as a community. So what's your opportunity? I just put it this way. Every day and every Sunday, be the body. Every day, not just every Sunday, but every day and every Sunday, be the body. We're the body of Christ. That's what the Bible calls us. He's the head and we're the body. You matter. You matter. But, but you know, a little finger amputated on its own can do nothing whatsoever. And you are not meant to be cut off from the body. So, so, so listen, there shouldn't be any, any option for you on Sunday where you're going to be on Sunday afternoon. Why would there be? This is the body of Christ. This is your family. Come worship. You don't Sunday wake up and think how the weather is or whether you're going to go out to the lake or whether a family's coming over. You know, if you're not sick or in quarantine or at the hospital or, or on vacation, this is your family. Get here. Why would you be somewhere else? But that's not enough. It, it, the New Testament community is meant to be lived daily. If you don't have a small group in this church that you, you could call somebody tomorrow and say, hey, you know, I'm hurting, then you're not going to have shalom. You're going to miss out on the opportunity of whole life peace, okay? So um, we're going to give you an opportunity to really get into shalom. 
uh, to really put that opportunity action into work. So on the screen, you see the website. Go to it, okay? If you're on a phone, go up to the menu. Otherwise, just click connect. Just get to connect and click there. Fill out that form. And then, and then in the notes, say, I need to be a part of a small group. Now, here's another opportunity. My wife and I almost lost our marriage uh, years ago. We didn't like each other at all. God healed our marriage, and now we teach something called valiant marriage. All right, some of you have no peace because you have no peace in your home. We're going to help you with that. March 13th, Saturday night, March 14th, during the worship and a, and a, and a session of that afternoon as, as well. We're going to help you, but we need you, to, we need you to, to register and sign up. So again, go to the website, go to Connect, and fill out the form in the notes, say, I want to be a part of the marriage conference. And you'll be hearing a lot more about that in the days ahead. Um, for me, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I, I need things that really help me just remember what it means to be the body. If shalom, whole life peace, only comes in community, then what kind of community are you going after as Midtown Church? What kind of community do you want to be a part of as an individual? Look, maybe, maybe you're here checking everything out, or maybe you know somebody that's going to be coming with you next week and check it out. This may be a help for you. Because your pastor, Jay, and I have talked about this little acrostic I'm going to give you. And this, is what, this is what Midtown's going after. So this is what you can be a part of. Just think of the word body. All right, let me give you this acrostic. B is bold prayer. We've already talked about it, right? I'm taking all this, by the way, not from my mind, but from Acts 4, where it says in verse 31, they boldly prayed and they were shaken. I mean, the whole place was shaken by the power of God. We want to see God's power. That starts with bold prayer, B. Oh, oneness. Acts 4 says they were one heart and one mind. Look, if you want to spend your time fighting about theology, this is probably not the place for you. Just go online and, you know, pretty soon if we keep it up, Christians will be able to gather in a closet and fight it out to the end. You know, we'll kill each other off by all of our, our doctrine wars and whatever other thing we're fighting about, who ran for, who won president. I mean, we'll, we'll kill each other off. But that, that, that wasn't the way the New Testament church had community. They had shalom, not because they agreed on everything, but because they loved each other in spite of disagreeing and refused to be divided. And that's, that's what we're going after here together. D is doing justice. A lot of talk about justice these days. That's a problem because the Bible doesn't tell us to talk about justice. It tells us to do it. You know what the New Testament community did? They met each other's needs. If they saw something wrong, somebody had been robbed or mistreated, um, there was some systemic way that perhaps uh, made them impossible for them to live. For instance, you know, back then, there was were, there were slavery. Slaves were, were set free and invited into the body of Christ as equals. Women were treated like cattle, but Jesus lifted women up. They did justice and they righted wrongs. That's what we want to do here. Not just talk about it. We want to do it. Why? The last letter in the word body, yield to the mission of Jesus. If you yield, you don't stop. You come to a yield sign and there's cars going by and you wait till a car goes in front of you and you join behind him. Well, Jesus is coming and, and he's in the next lane and he's coming and he's beckoning you. Remember, opportunity doesn't knock. It journeys with or without you. So Jesus is saying, hey, come on, let's go. And we have a choice if we want to go, yeah, but that's Jesus. He goes to crosses and stuff like that. It's really hard. He expects a lot. I'm going to wait for some other opportunities to come by. Or we can merge in and yield to him and go behind him and with him 
We know where he goes. He's always going where people don't know him yet. Always. And that leads to the last point of this. Salvation is your opportunity. Salvation is your opportunity. We see in verse 12, Jesus said, sometimes you'll suffer. You'll be taken before ungodly rulers. You'll have presidents and kings that won't be any good. He said, all that will happen. He said, this is your opportunity to bear witness. The word bear witness in the Greek is marturion. We get our word martyr from it. Here's what Jesus is saying. Um, This ship you're on, it's mine, not yours. You have a chance to trade your own life for mine, your own journey for mine. Some of you need to be saved. Some of you have, have never experienced salvation, maybe religion, maybe church, maybe not. That doesn't matter. You need Jesus. You need his power and his presence. And, man, we'll help you. We'll talk to you. We'll pray with you. You can meet him today. He's waiting for you. Some of you say, well, this doesn't apply to me. I've already been saved. If you're not sharing the gospel with someone, if you're not giving it away, you're not living in it today. If you're not giving it away, you're not living in it today. It doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. It means you're not living in the joy of it. How can you not give away something as wonderful as salvation? Jesus said, all this stuff, it'll be your opportunity to tell others about me. So here's your action opportunity number three. Serve and share with those who don't love Jesus yet. Serve and share with those who don't love Jesus yet. I don't know of any pastor in this country that gives an easier opportunity to do that. Listen, if you want to learn how to serve and share Jesus, just go to Jay today and say, how how can I learn? Go with him because he's always out there doing it, all right? We'll help you, you know. We're we're around when we're not on the road. We'll help you too. We'll help you any way we can to learn how to serve and share Jesus. Plenty of people will hear. But if you keep to yourself what Jesus has done in you, you're not only missing the opportunity of your life, but maybe a lot of others. In history, 1264 should have been the greatest year of evangelism in the history of the world. It should have changed the world for the good, and instead it was the opposite. The leader of China, a man named Kublai Khan, sent a request to the church in Rome. And this is what he said. He was fascinated with Christianity. He said, I want you to send a hundred of your leading, your leading men who are Christians. And I'm going to let them teach all of our leaders Christianity. And then all of our leaders can receive Christ. And they will teach all of our people to receive Christ. And Kublai Khan said, then there will be more Christians in China than in all the rest of the world. But the church in Rome was so sick and so weak, they sent two priests. They went a little ways and said, this is too hard, and went back home. And thus passed the greatest opportunity in the history of the world for the gospel. And now, how are things going with China these days? Think what could have been. You're not China, but you have more people. We have more people in the room today, more people watching than Jesus started with when he turned them loose on the world. So do not overestimate the cost if you do not share the gospel. This is your opportunity. Well, we're out of time. And the rest of chapter 21, especially 14 through 19, um, Jesus, you know, he says, listen, a lot of bad things can happen. Nothing bad enough or sad enough or hard enough can happen to take away your opportunity. 
And he said, even if you were to die, not a hair on your head will perish. He said, I will take care of you for all of your life and all of, all of eternity. But you have to decide, um, what ship are you going to be on? Uh, Opportunity is not knocking, it's sailing right by you. And you can board if you want. Close your eyes right there where you are. Close your eyes and, and, and ask God to give you spiritual vision and see the horizon ahead of you. See the horizon. Do you see the opportunity God has for you? The new land, the new season, the new life ahead. It's right there. Now, what are you going to do about it? You're going to jump the Jesus ship and get off onto your own and hit the reef and crash and drown in the sea of your own devices. Or are you going to land that ship with Jesus and see him smile and turn to you and say, come on, my son, come on, my daughter. Let's get off. Look at this beautiful land. That is your opportunity. Take it today. Disembark the ship with Jesus to your new life. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. 